You are listening to the New Street X podcast, where we interview people who understand the intersection of physical and digital collectibles. We're entering an exciting world in the collectible space that involves things like sneakers, NFTs, trading cards, fashion, sports, pop culture, and much, much more. And these things are coming together. So we're here to talk to people that understand that, people that are really building the future of collectibles around the world. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the New Street X podcast. I'm excited to have here today Lior Avidar, CEO of Alt. Our mission is to increase the transparency and liquidity of alternative assets. Alt is an alternative investment platform that makes investing in sports cards as easy as investing in stocks. Lior, thanks so much for being here, man. Excited to chat. Great. Let's kick off with how Alt got started. You know, I mean, how did the company come about? What was the idea? What was the inspiration? Obviously, you know, we 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 and everybody listening to this probably believes in the potential and the growth of, of sports cards, alternative assets. But where did that journey begin for you in terms of founding Alt? Yeah, for me, it all started with just a, a pain point that I had. It started in 2016 when my dad sent me one of my old boxes from home that included some of my cards in it. And it really inspired me to just get back into cards. And so I remember going on eBay. I always wanted to get that Kobe Bryant EX2000. So I bought a box of EX2000. I remember opening it up and, you know, lo and behold, I got the Kobe Bryant card and then, you know, got the card graded. And that was kind of the itch that got started. And, you know, fast forward to 2020, I actually had amassed a, a pretty large collection, which is a story in itself and to, to how I got it. And, Weirdly enough, I was like, wow, I have this amazing collection. And it was right before COVID started, right as COVID started. And I was like, well, I want to go take a loan against it, right? I had other ideas. I wanted to go buy some real estate. And I remember talking to all the big banks. I went to Chase and JP Morgan and SVB, all the companies that I'm familiar with from you know, running a company for, for 10 years. And none of them would give me a loan against my cards. And you know, the part that was most shocking to me was I always like cards are super liquid, right? And, you know, they're at least for me, I understand the values of them. They're more liquid than some of the stuff that the banks lend against. And so when they wouldn't lend to me, I was like, this makes no sense. This is going to be such a big market. So many people have alternative assets. And this wasn't kind of the first foray that I had with a bank that would not give me a loan for some alternative asset. And so that's kind of where, you know, enough was enough. And I was like, listen, I, I want to lend against things. I understand how it works. Uh, I want to lend against the things that the banks just don't recognize. And I want to start it with sports cards. And so that's kind of how Alt got started, just purely from a pain point. And, you know, that was our goal was to really understand the value of the cards so that we could build a marketplace and be able to provide people liquidity against them. And so the real name of the game for us is providing, you know, uh, alternative investors liquidity. And we're starting with cards and collectibles because it's just an area I'm passionate. In. And yeah, I think it's going to be collectibles, probably one of the fastest growing spaces over the course of the next 10 years. And we, we, we take all their collectibles. Obviously, that means a lot of things for different people. We're talking about sports cars here, but did you look at the entire landscape of collectibles and was it based on a personal interest that sports cars was the starting point for you? Is that also maybe just where your personal interest is? Like you said, is is what makes different asset classes better or worse or similar? This feel like a longer conversation here, but when I think about sports cards, it makes a lot of sense, but the definition, alternative assets and collectibles, that can mean a lot of things to different people, right? 
Yeah, I mean, we started in trading cards very specifically because that's my domain expertise. And when you're building a company and you aspire to do something that has a lot of different verticals, the go-to-market is very much vertical by vertical, right? And I don't believe there's a better person to build a collectible marketplace than myself. Like I'm one of the biggest collectors in the space. I understand all the pain points. And so I wanted to showcase that I can build that vertical, build up and solve that pain point ultimately for trading cards. And I do believe that if I can solve that pain point for trading cards, there is some overlap in going into other assets. And so that was kind of the, um, the quick answer of why trading cards. It's also a really large market. So it fit a lot of the, the I guess, the reasons that get me excited as, a, as an entrepreneur and as a business person to, to, get a, um, to get going in a specific vertical. But to your point, I mean, the company is called Alt. It's not called trading cards. Like the goal, I, I do believe that the alternative assets are going to be very big. And, you know, the definition is really wide. You know, I would say at the highest level I define an alternative asset is something that a bank does not recognize because it's not really an asset unless you can lend against it. So that's a real, that's one way to define it. I would say for us over the course of the next five years, we're very focused on like physical modern collectibles. And so these are things that I would say probably in the last 30 years have really become an asset class, have matured, have a TAM or a market probably that are in the billions. That's where I would say like it makes it, it starts making sense to build a business around it. So that's kind of like the concentric circles that we're focused on right now. So trading cards, things that collectibles over the last 30 years that have a, a market play, a market cap of two billion plus, anything that a bank doesn't recognize. Got it. Got it. So that that could be a lot of things in the future. And, and, and sounds like, of course, expansions like on the roadmap, whether it's now or years from now. And maybe could you walk me through the, the customer journey here? Because I think most people listening to this would probably are familiar with our alt, maybe they're even users. But as I you know go on the website right right now, I see there's like a lot of different reasons why I'd want to be on alt, right? Like maybe I want to buy cards. There's different types of places, there's fixed price auctions, liquid auctions. Maybe I want to sell cards. There's obviously, I see there's a vaulting service. There's alt advance, which is lending against your cards, which I, it's, it's interesting. That's kind of the pain point that you very know, you, you know very well from your experience talking to these banks. Could you kind of walk me through like, what are the main customer personas here of why someone would go to alt? Is it distributed? I mean, is the marketplace 90% of the business? Is vaulting big? Is the alt advance stuff part of it? Just when I walk in there, what kind of person is most likely going to be using alt? Yes. So um, let's let's talk about sellers first and foremost, right? So, um, you know, our number one goal is to serve sellers in getting liquidity. And so we have three different products that offer that liquidity. We have our auctions. And so our liquid auctions, basically, they run every two weeks, right? You don't know what you're going to get, but you get a cash advance and you get that liquidity within two weeks. So it always guarantees you liquidity within two weeks. We have our fixed price marketplace, which allows you to control the price, but you don't really know when you're going to get that liquidity. And then we have our loan product, which gives liquidity right now, and you get to keep the asset, right? And so um, from a seller perspective, the moment that you need the cash, right, and you hold assets, that's where the journey generally starts, right? Um, and so we want to be your main liquidity provider. We want, you to get, we want you to get that cash fast, and we want to get you the most cash as possible, right? Um, from a buyer side, completely different persona, we want, we want to be the first place that you check for cards every single day, right? And so we've created a whole different set of features. We have our universal search, which basically allows you to look at for the entire market, and we have our saved search product. So instead of going to all the other websites, and there's probably over 12 different marketplaces, we've created one place where you can search 
and then save for what you want. So if you're really interested into 90s PMG greens, you can save that search. And anytime anyone comes up on any place in the market, we will feed that to you, right? And so the goal is we want you to be, we want all to be the place where you get the cards that you want the fastest. So if it's coming to market, you'll know because of alt. And then the second buyer journey on alt is finding what, how much your cards are actually worth. Our alt value is probably industry leading at this, at this current moment. We know how much every card is worth within a certain, certain price range. And so if you want to figure out how much your card is worth, that's another reason why you would come to us. It serves the buyers and the sellers, depending on kind of their journey. But that's generally where people start with us. I think the vault is just a mechanism. Obviously, I don't think that's a, a true product of ours. I would say it just helps facilitate a lot of the liquidity and the loans. And so, yeah, whether you're a seller or a buyer, we have very deliberate feature sets for you. And, and the impression I'm getting is that, you know, someone that is looking for liquidity, that's looking at these different options, whether they're a buyer or seller, is probably, my impression is like an above average sophisticated person. It's not just like some casual person, maybe younger, who is uh, passively interested in cars. Maybe it's someone that takes it slightly more seriously. Is, is that fair to say? Like, would you kind of segment which parts of the market you cater to most in terms of maybe, is, it, is, is one vector sophistication, is one vector how much money they're spending, other things too? Yeah, I would say we're definitely starting off with the, I would say, the core community of people who have been investing in this space. So they're buying cards, probably one card at least every 90 or so days, all the way up to the dealers in the space. I would say that's our target customer. Like we want people who are dealing with cards. And I would say, you know, later on, I would say we'll probably open up the funnel and go after like uh, people who are dabbling or adjacent, maybe they're into sports gambling. But right now it's really meeting the needs of the of the card community. And so, yeah, you're you're not just your casual, but you're your hobbyist and your dealers. And and of course, cards, as we know, I guess the main sort of ways to look at card differences would be sports cards and then TCG, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, et cetera. And then of course there's like a long tail of you know entertainment cards, et cetera, and other non-sports stuff. It is is your focus primarily on sports cards? Because I mean, I even saw I was on the alt website today and I saw the number one trending player is Monkey D. Luffy, who is in the One Piece card game. So I'm like, okay, I didn't expect that. But how do you see the, the TCG slash sports card mix happening? Yeah, so our focus is trading cards. So it's it's TCG, it's other, it's sports cards. Anything that can be, you know, that that comes in this size and is graded and is in this ecosystem, we kind of hold it all equal. We don't have any particular like affiliation with one specific category. You know, they all are tradable. They all have value associated with them and they all have a market. So we want to make it as easy as possible for people, whether they're trading Charizard cards or Michael Jordan cards or Spider-Man cards, you know. It's whatever you collect, we want to make sure that, you know, our product works for you. And, and when I was on, you know, using the universal search on alt just, just earlier today, you know, I saw that there were also listings, like you mentioned, from other places, other sources of liquidity, like PWCC, Golden, eBay, etc. Now, I'm sure it's not as simple as like, they're competitive, or maybe they're frenemies, you know, you probably work with them in some capacity. But then maybe someone if I'm just looking for a card, and I see it's on eBay, and it's not on those others, I'll go there. Uh, how do you think about, I guess, where Alt situates itself differently versus some of these other companies that are some of the, you know, the bigger like name brands in, in the space? Yeah, I mean, I think the first is how we work with everybody. Like we're very much let's work with everybody, which I think is a very a different strategy than most people, you know, generally take. Um, I think the universal search, but having our own auction uh, was probably not something that people expected. But 
you know, the way I build the product is the way that I, I, I think about it from a consumer standpoint of what I would want to be ideal. And I want my life to be easier. I don't want to have to go search in 13 different places, even though like I'm competitive with them, right? Um, I very much believe that I, if I build the best product and I solve the customer pain points and I make their life easier, I think people will come to Alt. Um, so I think that's a different mindset. I don't think people generally build businesses with people, with their competitors. I think it shocked a lot of our competitors early on because we reached out and we're like, hey, we want to work with you. And like, well, we're competing against each other. It's like, yeah, but wouldn't it be awesome if we actually like work together and made our consumers' lives easier and then the market bigger and we all make money together, right? And I think sometimes people don't realize we can all make the pie bigger and we can make a better product. We don't have to all take away from the same market share, right? So I think that approach is probably like a, a very unique one that differentiates us in terms of just like how we build our product. I think our DNA is also very different than most of the companies. We're very data-driven, which I think comes out hopefully in, in the way people use our product and how our products are actually like being catered. We are a tech company first and foremost, so everything is built with technology in mind, which we haven't been around in a while. Unlike, I think, I think everybody else has been around for like 20 plus years, right? So for us, it's very much just like, how do we use technology to build a better product and how do we do it with people? And so, yeah, I think that that approach is a little bit different than how, how people would have thought to build a company in this day and age. And, and I really like, you know, the, the set of sort of like multi-set of features that Alt has. I think the interface is very slick too. And, you know, just clearly it's a tech consumer product driven company. But also I'm, I'm, I'm also fascinated when, when Alt does things like having the Alt fund, right? Which invests in that Steph Curry card, 5.9 million, which is really interesting to me too, because it kind of makes Alt like a very multifaceted company, which I guess we're seeing a lot of the big collectibles companies be like vertically integrated with different types of like like services there. Can we talk about the alt fund and maybe for someone that doesn't know what it is, what is the fund? And that's Steph Curry card that I mentioned as one of the big purchases that, that was made. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of, you know, the part when you're building an exchange, you're really close to the assets. Um, and as I, as I mentioned, when you're building something and providing liquidity, you're you're basically long the asset. You're basically saying, I believe in the asset, I'm believing it's going to grow. And so another way to take directional risk is to create a fund. And not only that, but we, you know, we see the most amazing cards. Why not create the most amazing collection and then be able to show it off one day? And so that's really like, you can think of the alt fund or the alt private collection. It's really the cards that we believe are the best ones that demonstrate you know, this category. And we want exposure to them. We have investors that want exposure to them. And you know, it's very rare when we buy an asset, but it's very meaningful. And we're very bullish again on the market long term because we think Alt is going to have an impact on it. And we think that if we do a good job building a market, the asset values should go up as well. So yeah, that's why we we put the fund together. It's, you know, part passion and part lucrative. And it's a group of people who very much believe in that in the category over the next 10 years. And I think what was interesting to me too, is when you think about like what ownership means, right? Like my understanding was that the Alt fund invested in the Steph Curry card, like a percentage ownership of it, right? Like 51%. Is that something you see happening more? I mean, of course, you got fractional investment companies that are popping up left and right. You have even like a Web3 element of it where some blockchain NFT companies are talking about, hey, we're going to tokenize your asset and maybe you could, it, you could have a token that represents ownership in a physical asset or represents a fraction of ownership in a physical asset. Is that something that you see becoming more prevalent? Is that an area that Alt would want to get deeper into? The idea of ownership being different, let's say, as time goes on versus how it was in the past. 
Yeah. So the curry, I mean, I think that's unique because the buyer only wanted to sell 51%. We actually ended up buying out the entire thing. So we do own 100% of it. I think when the market is big enough, and I don't know how soon this will be, I think we're still years away. I think if the market is big enough, then fractional ownership can make sense. But you need the market cap of a card to be pretty large. I just don't see the market there right now. So on that point, then, like, I mean, if fractional is not necessarily something that maybe it'll take more time to become mainstream, like where, where is all prioritizing, I guess, for the next like six months or year? I know we're, we're recording this at the end of 2023. 2024 is a brand new year. What, what can you say, I guess, at a high level about where the roadmap is for what people should expect in 2024? I, I think the pain points that interest us over the next year is really helping the dealers in the space. You know, dealers are the ones with the most inventory and I would say the most pain points, right? Um, they really haven't been taken care of the way that they should be. And so we want to create a really dealer-friendly platform that allows people who've invested in the space, who are full-time in this space, the tooling that they need to, to I mean, this is, this is a real business, right? So I, I, that's, that's first and foremost. We want to be able to, you know, be the dealer, the, the homepage for dealers. Got it. And where do you see that, that, I guess, the card market trending in 2024? I mean... COVID was a very big boom time. 2021 was the launch of a lot of startups and companies. You know, I was at the National this year and it seemed to be just on an upward trend. Of course, we'll, we'll talk about this later on too, like the new industry dynamics. But generally speaking, if we're looking at in 2024 and what you've seen over the last three years, are you entering the year like bullish? And I'm sure it's slightly more nuanced than that. But what's your kind of feeling about how things will evolve in 2024? Very bullish. I think there is a, a lot of favors. So first, like macro-wise, I think, you know, inflation is back to normal levels. So interest rates will slowly decrease, right? So that's generally really good for assets of store of value. I do think with the, you know, with tops coming in and investing a lot in marketing um, and kind of the changeover in rights to fanatics. So there's a lot of positive trends that are starting. And so yeah, I, I don't. I think sports are getting more popular. I think fandom is on its upswing. So I think 2024 and 2025 are going to be very strong years for sports cards. That's great. And, and I know I'm sure at some point, whether it's next year or the following years, expanding beyond sports cards is something that is on Alt's roadmap, whether it's in the long term. And I'm sure I'm not, not to commit you to it, but are there areas that you're most interested in, even just personally, outside of sports cards? Is it sports memorabilia? Is it other sports-related things? Like, are there areas that you're focused on personally? I'm, I'm laser focused on cards right now. Like I want us to win on cards and, you know, I've kind of shared with the team until we conquer cards, it doesn't matter what the rest is. You know, I think we have the potential to go into other asset classes, but cards, we are laser focused on winning the card market right now and building the best product there. And if we talk in two years and we've hit our mission and we've done a great job, then I'll tell you, I'll put some energy on thinking about what the next, but I almost give it no thought. All my energy goes into trading cards right now. Got it, got it. I, I'd love to learn more about where the trading card passion comes from. I know you mentioned like collecting Kobe Bryant cards when you were younger. Is Was that like your gateway into sports cards? Have you, are you a big Lakers fan? Is that why? Like, where's the personal passion come from? Maybe it's from your childhood or, or something like that. I think it stems from a couple of different things. So one, I love sports and I, you know, I still play sports to this day. I played basketball growing up and I watched Kobe Bryant and that was like playing sports was my hobby, my outlet. And so it's been a passion of mine, you know, since I, 
I, I don't even remember when it wasn't. So that was one. I, you know, when my first professional job out of college was a trader on Wall Street, right? And the trading aspect of things really just changed the way that I started thinking about things. And, and so when I started my first company, trading cards became my outlet of just like being able to do some business and, and like I, I would be able to like, I would always think which players were going to be the best ones. I loved looking at the stats and then I loved, you know, being able to invest in them and see if I was right. And there were so many different variables. And I, you know, I liked that I could take some of my knowledge from the sports card market. And so it kind of became this market that was mine. You know what I mean? It wasn't very big. And I just enjoyed the people around it. And I met a lot of really great people. And that's just how it got started. You know, I would work, you know, work during the days and at night when I just needed, you know, hey, I needed a timeout from work or something. I would just go on eBay. I'd go on Instagram or some of the forums and I would, you know, chase cards. And, you know, that chase, that like, that's why I think a lot of people love cards is, you know, once you have a, a, a thesis or a card or something that you're going after, it gives you a lot of purpose, right? And so when, when I go look at my cards, right, and, and every single one of them, I can tell you the story. You know what I mean? It's like the story of how I got it and why I got it and how long it took me. You know what I mean? And I think each one of them kind of cements a moment in my life. And that's what I, you know, when I look at cards, you know, I see a lot of different things and that, but that's what it means to me. You know what I mean? When I look at my like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, super fractor, right? I remember that that was my favorite card and I was looking for the super fractor. And then I found out that a guy from Hawaii had it, you know what I mean? And like, all I remember was like, this is going to be the most that I ever spent on a card, but I have to get it right. This is like me. It was like me. It was like my, like, rewarding myself for all the hard work that I wanted to do. And I was like, oh my God, like I need to have that card. That's going to cement, it's going to be my reward for like, you know, all the work that I did. Um, or when I bought my LeBron James Super Fractor, I chased down this guy for six months. Like I heard somebody had it. I was like, I need to pair it with the Kobe Bryant card, right? And I was like, this is my favorite LeBron pose. It's the one where, he, you know, does the chalk toss. And I just messaged this guy. I remember every single week for six months, I was like, how do I get this card? You know what I mean? So, I mean, six months is a long sales cycle for just businesses. So this was just, you know, it, it gives you some outside purpose and motivation every single day. That's not just your work. And yeah, I, I can tell you every single card and there's a story behind it. You know, some of them are more personal stories. Some of them are the chase stories. Some of them are the why, Right. I mean, some of them I've had for, you know, almost 10 years, you know, and, and so, you know, that's what I, I, that's what I like. It's just, it's a moment. It's a moment. It's a story. Some of them are friendships. Like I got this so that I can have the same card with as one of my friends. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it, you know, that's, that's why I like doing it. I think it's a, it's a culmination of a, a lot of different things in my life. Is that something you still, I'm sure you're, you know, very busy these days, especially, but do you still chase after certain cars? Are you on the lookout? Do you have, I don't know, like, like, I don't know, like a trophy case of your favorite cards too, I don't know, at home and stuff. How do you satisfy that personal sort of desire today when you're also operating the business? Yeah, I mean, I, I go, I look for cards every single day. So I still have chase cards. Um, I think I look at, the lens of cards a little bit differently now, now that I also like run a business in the space, to be quite honest. So 
I mean, my taste has definitely changed. I very much, I skew modern. I like skewing towards things that I like and not necessarily someone else likes. And so sometimes like I'll buy stuff that's not expensive. You know, I'll buy a $50 card, a $100 card. It's because I like it. You know what I mean? I like the design. I like the player. And and so I find myself dabbling more in those type of cards right now because I just, I like them. And yeah, I, I mean, if if I chase what everyone likes, it, it ends up costing me a lot of money, to be honest. So I try to stick to this. Like I bought... I bought my first football card. You know what I mean? Like I've always been an NBA guy and um, I, I saw this quad shield autograph of Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Steve Young. Oh man, who was the fourth quarterback on this? Wow. Oh man. That's a combo. The fourth quarterback, Dan Marino. <laughs> okay. Dan Marino. And it's a, you know, and I was like, this is awesome. Four autographs on one card and a piece of their jersey. Like, I I got to have this card. This is awesome. You know what I mean? Like, this is, like, I love Peyton Manning. I, you know, I watched a lot of these guys. And so that one called my name on it. Um, I like Optic right now. I think it's an off-brand. I think there's some really great designs on it. So I chase a lot of Optic cards. You know, I think certain 90s players bring a lot of nostalgia to me because that's when I, like, watched... Like, I remember watching every single NBA game, like, even the scrubs and people on the bench. Like, I'm like, I want I want to have a card of that guy just to remember. Those are the things that I would say generally bring me the most joy. So Sounds like, you know, clearly the passion you've had. Sounds like NBA might be your favorite league from the sounds of it, but... Oh, for sure. Break, okay, is that, are you are you a Lakers fan? I'm guessing with Kobe and LeBron, are Lakers fan? Or are you kind of all around mixed? I'm a Kobe Bryant fan because I grew up like with his like Mamba mentality and that's still how I operate today. Just like like work harder than everybody else, work more than everybody else and if and that will lead to results. And I think that really stuck to me. I, I would say because of him, I was a Lakers fan. I mean, I'm, I've lived in so many places. Like I've lived in the Bay Area for 10 years. So, you know, with the current Warriors dynasty, I, I very much, you know, I, I collect Curry, Draymond, uh, you know, Durant, Clay Thompson, just because, again, it was a part of my life and I want to remember it. I collect some Durant too when he was in Brooklyn because I lived in Brooklyn at that time. I, I I generally collect people that like connected in my life in some way, shape, or form. Weirdly, I grew up in Chicago and I don't collect Michael Jordan. I think I just <laughs> missed that. But yeah, I don't really have a team anymore. I more have like, I would say players that I, I collect. And And it's amazing that you know, you're able to bring your passion to like what you're doing every single day. I mean, you're still, you know, searching for cards every day and then spending a vast majority of your day working on alt, all related to the topic and the business of cards. Uh, I remember when I went, I went to the National earlier this year and seeing like all the different like athletes that were showing up, whether they were there for signings or just there for fun, you know, the folks that just were wandering around looking for their own kind of cards. It's a really like, wonderful cultural moment for someone that's really interested in, you know, the card world and also sports. Moving into the sort of state of the card market, the card industry, collectibles, alternative assets. I'm interested maybe to kick off with, when I was at the National, I saw there was like a massive alt display there and had a lot of things going on from, from and I assume you were there too, but from being at the National this year versus let's say the last few years, what do you think has changed if you think about that as like a litmus test for the state of the market? Yeah, I mean, there's more people, right? So that's a, a really easy factor just to be able to measure. I think the amount of investment that people are putting in their booths, right? 
is increasingly growing and there's a lot more corporate sponsors. I think just with those three, three variables, you can see that there's, that the space is growing. And I think like one of the things that exemplifies that is, you know, the entrant, the entrance of new money, which is also being spent by certain companies like Fanatics being a good example of that they're planning to do, as everybody probably knows, create their own sort of version of the national slash comic con for sports and cards, which would be exciting. You have, you know, collectors, collectors universe, acquiring companies too. This is all just trending in the the right direction when people come when it comes to taking it seriously as as a mainstream market. Is there like a, a bear case for sports cards as well? You know, sometimes I talk to people and they're saying, hey, well, there was a lot of hype that was temporary because of COVID and stimulus packages. And I don't see that continuing in the long term. Now, is is there any like validity to let's say the bear case for what the hobby could be experiencing in a negative way over the next few years? I think I think the bear case was was what we just went through. It was from the the top, right? Which was a lot of fluff and a lot of like bullish and low interest rates and people just jumping into this space. And I think the market now is has gotten a lot more healthy and stable. So I think we just experienced kind of the the bear market and now we're kind of at a point where it's rational. Um I don't think there's much downward trajectory from here, to be quite honest, given you know where the hob- the state of the hobby is, and from at least the the data trends that I'm looking at, it looks like it's it's bottomed out, and we're seeing a, a nice stable market at the current moment. Yeah, I I'm obviously you know bullish on my side and believe in it, and I'll be at the national next year and expect it to be even bigger and better, and will continue to be. There, there's a few factors, at least in my head, when I think about things that have changed. I'd love to just get your opinion on some of these different factors. The first one being, I think, the entry or more serious like involvement of, of finance when it comes into sports cards, right? Cards in general. I think, you know, let's say 50, 40 years ago, you know, I wasn't alive then, but I would imagine that if if you were at a sports card, you know, like convention show in the 70s, I'm sure people were like hustling, you know, like, oh, let me sell you this, let me buy this. But now you have not just salt, but like a lot of companies are starting to do things like financializing these collectibles, like companies like I mentioned in the past, whether we're talking about like fractionization, tokenization, when it comes to institutional investors that want to get involved. I know some folks that are setting up like sports card hedge funds, things like that. You know, we've seen a lot of companies, whether they've succeeded or not, allow people to invest and trade like digitally. Uh, love to just get your your take on that because you're obviously involved in that too. But how have you seen that changing over the last few years? Yeah, I mean... It makes sense, right? Like the evolution of every asset as it gets mature, you know, you start getting more services around it. So uh, 100% believe this is going to continue and that will be there will be more. And if you look at any historical asset class from the stock market to the bond market to the, you know, crypto market, this has all happened. So we're seeing the same evolution here, which again is one of the reasons why I'm bullish around the space because the more of the, the more businesses that and service businesses and tech businesses that are gets created around the asset you know the asset itself is getting more and more valuable for time i think it's much needed like the prices of these assets are very high i think people have really large portfolios and if you're asset rich in cards you need a, a way to be able to you know manage that manage that money you know what i mean like there are people with 20 40 60 100 million dollar portfolios of cards and if a bank can't take care of you, you're, someone's going to come in and say, hey, like I'm going to provide you the ability to tell you how much it's worth. I'm going to tell you 
I'm going to create the ability for you to easily sell these. I'm going to create the ability for you to get a mortgage. Like it will not shock me that in the next year and a half, there'll be a specific company that says, hey, we will give you mortgages if you have a lot of trading cards, right? You might not have a lot of cash, but we'll figure it out. You know what I mean? It makes sense. It just makes sense. You know what I mean? Whenever there's a pile of money, people need a way to be able to do things with it. And so everyone's trying to level up right now. And I think that makes sense. And it's going to make the hobby a lot more sophisticated and healthy, in my, in my opinion, over time. And, and I think back to, you know, the beginning of your story where you went to a bank and you're trying to get like a loan against the card and whoever you were talking to at whatever bank was probably, I don't know, maybe rolling their eyes, thought like, this is kind of crazy. And I think about whoever that yeah. is now, maybe, maybe they still think that, you know, or maybe they're like, like, maybe I was a bit too presumptuous back then. And this is still, you know, depending on how you look at it, it's still like a fairly, I guess, niche idea for someone who works in traditional finance. Would, what would you say is like holding back banks from moving? Is it just a matter of time? Is it just a matter of education? Is it a matter of like, I know maybe that person who was thought the loan idea was crazy, yeah. saw it as high risk, but there's unaware of the market. It's a matter of expertise and size, right? So for them, it's not yet big enough and they don't have the expertise, right? It is niche for them, right? And I think that's what makes it really lucrative for somebody like me to come along and start building it up because if it does become really big, then there's an opportunity for partnership. But no one's an expert. I would say there are very few people who understand the value of cards like Alt does, right? You know, we we take every single transaction that goes into the ecosystem, we clean it, and we model prices associated with it, which allows us to create a really good model of, you know, what we think we can lend against or give a cash advance against. And anyone who's going to be creating a lending program needs to be able to have that data, right? And I think it needs... Wall Street or the big banks are not going to invest in that unless they think that the opportunity, right, is in the probably tens of billions for them. And so the market is still nascent, right? It's still small. And so somebody like me has to come along and probably prove it out. And if it they prove if we prove it out and it grows, right, then maybe a bank, you know, when the the, the asset is really mature and it's in the 10 billions, they come along and they start doing it. And I think ultimately that's why they don't lend against it. You know, it's they just don't have the expertise yet. Yeah. And, and painting that vision for like what could be the future of a whole bunch of industries and banks, et cetera, taking these asset classes more seriously is definitely something, you know, we at New Street obviously believe in whether it comes to the need for more data, more uh, understanding, more education. And I think about, which was another topic I wanted to ask you about, the the role of like media content entertainment when it comes to the the hobby, so to speak. I mean, you have just to like take a, a bird's eye view over the last five to 10 years, you had the proliferation of, let's say, live commerce through people, you know, first just going live and selling products on Facebook to the creation of actual, you know, live breaking platforms. You know, you've got the whatnots of the world and many, many others too. Uh, you have more podcasts than you had five, 10, 20 years ago, more bloggers into the space talking about this. There's, there's a lot of trending in the right direction when it comes to the amount of media options that someone can look at when it comes to learning about the market. I wouldn't say they're all equal in terms of like quality or what they provide you with, but maybe to ask you a question around that, what do you think is missing when it comes to card collectible media or content? What's missing? I think everyone is telling very similar type of stories. It's about the history of the card. And I, what I'd love to see is, I, I would say different types of storytelling. I think it's very singular right now. It's again the the content is still in its earliest days. I think also the content is all in very short form, very short form, 
I think there's an opportunity to probably provide higher quality mainstream production. Yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot more stories about the people and how the cards were made. Probably not the best person to. I don't consume too much content. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. That, but, you know, I there, there's always an opportunity to level up the content. I think. Yeah, I I like how just from a purely production standpoint, you've seen like fanatics with you see that Tom Brady commercial like a week or two ago where yeah, they created like, I that. like that. That, yeah. that was like high production quality content that you don't see that often. You know, that that looked like something that theoretically could have been a Super Bowl ad, and who knows, like. What they're doing so that's good and i also think let's just taking again from like the the finance point of view like is there room for like a seeking alpha for for cards i guess there, there's like very informal small ways like that but do you think people could be creating yeah. like longer form analysis on kobe cards or tyler hero whoever i think yes over the next couple of years right like they gotta size out how big of a business is i think is a niche business right now but the market as a whole has to grow first, right? So when you think about it, the businesses are going to be closest to the actual assets. And then over time, right, they'll layer out. So I think the core assets or the core types of businesses are probably the most lucrative right now. I think the analysis, I don't see it being a lucrative business in, in the next one to two years. I think after that, it could be. I think about some of the more traditional parts of like the card value chain that maybe we haven't mentioned, like, let's say local card stores, like the retail experience, hobby shops, et cetera. Generally speaking, you know, a retail is a very complicated, nuanced topic. So I'd hate to paint like broad brushstrokes here. But, you know, if, if the behavior trends towards, as it is in just commerce, right, like buying things online, direct to consumer, do you think that threatens or does it require the need for evolution in terms of the business model, let's say someone who's a local car store or a retailer? Like, does it change it, you think, for the the dealerships? Is that what you're saying? Like, yeah, just, I mean, all this, all the change happening, it, it's, and it's probably never as I simple think, as like, it's good or I bad, think, but yeah. I think everything is going to change. And I think it's for the good. Change, like, I'm one of those people that think evolution is, is, a, is a good thing. Like, we're pushing the hobby forward. I think everybody will have to evolve with it, right? Like, that's going to be hard for everyone. Like, change is hard. I don't know where it's going to go for them because there's too many moving variables, right? like fanatics and how they're just going distribute, to distri distribute the assets. There's all the live breakers, right? There's so many like online vaults now. So I don't know what it will mean for dealers, like an authorized dealers, but I know some, it, the model will probably change. Yeah, no, I'm just fascinated by all the changes that would happen, like really on all levels, right? Whether we're talking about the change in capital that's available, the change in content, the change in, you know, business models for better or worse for like, let's say going to physical retail or not. And I, I'd, I'd love to know, you know, what Alt sees, you know, on a daily basis about what's trending, what's going up, what's going down, where there's growth. I mean, to the extent that you can, like, let's say, share, is what surprised you? You know, did you not realize, oh my gosh, like hockey cards are so much bigger than I thought? Or, you know, our fastest growing market is Brazil, or F1 is actually more popular amongst 18 year olds than basketball. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, okay, I'll get, hit you with a couple of funny ones. Okay. So, uh, Pokemon is very stable. Like po the Pokemon market, man, and the, you know the Pokemon collectors love alt. So I think they've been under uh, underrepresented in the product because everyone focuses on sports cards. But man, you know people are passionate about you know TCG. So that's one. The second one is there's a lot of really young collectors out there, and you know I I find that a lot of young collectors and their parents 
do this as a way. I feel like it's the new age lemonade stand. And so a lot of the times a parent will call me and say, hey, my kid wants to give you feedback. And, I'm ta- and I end up talking to like a 12, 9, 10, 11, 12 year old kid, right? Who's using alt, who, you know, is doing with his parent and calling me and it's like, now I want to give you some feedback on your products. That, that's always <laughs> really funny. You know what I mean? Like I really admire people who are starting trading cards at such a young age and to feel comfortable calling up the CEO and wanting to give them feedback. Like I love that from a customer, you know what I mean? So yeah, those are probably like two really interesting things that I've, I've seen. Yeah. I admire the entrepreneurship of like kids. Like, I mean, when I see, and I, kids, not in a derogatory term, but like when I go to, I, I also go like sneaker shows a lot. Right. And a lot of the big resellers could be like 15 year olds. And then I, I saw that at the yeah. national, I saw that a lot of places where I think to myself, I, I did not have, at least when I was 15, the capacity to to be that entrepreneurial, but maybe it's a trend that, that that's another bull bull signal for the future, right? It's not just older folks that we're talking about here, but we're talking about young, excited people that want to get into this for passion and for business, right? No, totally, 100%. We've talked a lot about a lot of things in, you know, what Alt's doing, but your personal like collection, hobby, talked about what's happening in the industry. Is Is there anything that we haven't talked about that, you, you're kind of maybe following or that gets you excited or is a hot topic that's on your mind when it comes to, let's say, the future of the card industry? I'm always wondering how close the actual player performance and trading cards like and trading card prices will actually follow. I, I believe it we're, we will get to a point where it's actually very efficient. Um, and, you know, right now, I, I do see the card market going through hype phases with certain types of cards. Like a new player comes into the league like Wembanyana, massive, you know, new cards come to market, they get graded, they're trading at crazy prices, then all the supply comes in and then card prices go down, right? And, you know, Wembanyana hasn't even played yet. So that's one thing I'm always interested in is like the, how rational can the card market get? How rational do I want the card market to get? Do people want the card market to get? So I think that's the first one. The second one is... um what will the supply look like with Fanatics coming in? You know, how high can card prices get? So I always think about that. Like, will we see multi-million dollar cards? Will that be like something that's pretty constant, right? I think we had it in the bull run. You know, you would see the logo men and the shields trade for millions of dollars. You know, I don't know how many would trade at that price right now, to be quite honest. You know what I mean? I think they should. I think if the market is really efficient, they should. I think it means a lot to have the, cl- the player's best card. And then the other one is like, what is owning a card? What can it give you? What kind of rights, privileges can be tied to cards outside of just the value and the ego, right? Of saying, I own the card. Like, I think, I do think that in the future, and I've heard fanatics is starting to think about this. If you own a card, maybe you get to go to an event or you know, if you own the best card, then you maybe get some value at the end of the year if they win the MVP or they win a championship. How can the collector also participate in the upside of the team and the player, right? Because ultimately, it's a way to connect the fan with the player. And so I'm very interested to understand the relationship between the card and and success of the team and the player. Man, those those like three, four points, I think, could keep us going for another hour, but I know we don't have that. So maybe just to comment briefly on that last one, because I've got a lot of thoughts on what you just said. Well, the, the first being on that last point, 
I think that's part of the proposition of NFTs, right? Like if executed well, let's say I'm the Utah Jazz, and they've, they've done something like this, where you buy an NFT, which might be like a digital poster of the Utah Jazz, and then it gets you access to, let's say, like a virtual locker room. I know they did that last year, I think. And maybe that will lead to things like, oh, you can get enter a raffle to be part of, I don't know, get a free ticket to the next game or whatever. I, I think there's like this mixture of, that last question, like what does owning a card give you, kind of bleeds into the idea of what does a digital, physical, physical slash digital collectible that is, like, let's say, officially licensed or branded by the Utah Jazz give you. And I think they're experimenting with it right now. So that's something that I'm super interested in. And I guess maybe that, that opens yeah, up the question. We haven't talked about NFTs, but love to get your feedback on what I just said and NFTs too. You know, I think long term, I'm bullish on the technologies of NFTs. And also, I'm very bullish on how they interact with physical assets. Like the two will converge, in in my opinion. I think people got too hot on them too quick. And it, it, people were too money money motivated and forgot about the actual like in, inherent value of them. So listen, in 25 years, I'm sure it's going to be another thing that people are going to collect again, right? Because, you know, it'll be nostalgic, right? So it's a, it's an interesting asset. I'm following it very closely. I don't own any NFTs. Very bullish on the technology. And I think there's like so much overlap within what teams are experimenting with right now in terms of like rewarding their fans, which becomes like a whole sort of fan engagement, fan loyalty play, and how they're trying that with both physical and digital collectibles. I think um, like Trevor Lawrence might have been last year released like his rookie cards, but also like NFTs like as a uh, like a, a, a companion item. And I see that happening in the future. Um, now, on the topic, because there's so many other topics, and I know we're running out of time here, but the topic of like, let's say, player performance versus value. I, I think back to, was it the 2020 NBA Finals when Tyler Hero had that like breakout game where I, I forget what, exa- what happened exactly, but he was came came on as a rookie and then the value of Tyler Hero cards on the market went up like thousands of percent because he had a solid game and people were thinking like this is fantastic. Now, Tyler Hero's performance he's he's still a solid player but he hasn't necessarily like broke through into top tier NBA player. But there but that was a price blip for a while where if you looked at the value of Tyler Hero at a market perspective, you could then see like okay, he's he's hot right now. And it's kind of similar with stocks, right? Like, I mean, some companies that were doing really well at a certain point, maybe because the economic conditions or good decisions that were made, were trading at a high value on the market, but then for a variety of reasons could go downhill dramatically. And that's just like a natural sort of market uh, dynamic, right? Is that something where you think like the, the sort of value a player has can be, I guess, the same way someone analyzes the stock there's going to be like more analysis that comes from people who who see these things and actually measure them. You know, like, okay, Tyler Hero, there's like my formula for valuing a card. It's like Tyler Hero, to use him as, his as an example, he did well in this game, but he's actually not been doing that well in the long-term season. But he just got a deal with LVMH, so he's going to be a hot player. C- can we start like, I guess, algorithmically valuing this at a better way than we have in the past? Uh, I don't know about algorithmically. I think there's a lot of really interesting like variables that go into it. And I do think they're, I think you're thinking about it the right way. It's they're on the court and they're off the court success, right? Um, the city that they live in, right? The number of followers that they have, right? There's a lot of different things that go into the value of cards. And I think I'm sure you can use data to probably create something that predicts it very well. I mean, we do that internally. That's, you know, one of the, 
the reasons we you know we train the model for for alt value. But that's when I said before about being rational. That's what I would hope, right? It's again, you can't guess what a stock price is going to be all the time. But I want, I think the same level of analysis can be applied to cards. And I think that's another gamification of the card. You can think about it as investment. You can do it from a passion. Everyone can collect cards for different reasons. Lior, so many other interesting angles that we could keep talking about, but I know I know we're running out of time. So I'm going to start closing up with the same last two questions I, I used to end the podcast. The first being, just very simply, where can people find you, find Alt on social media or wherever else? And then second, what's one last message you'd like to leave with the audience? Yeah, you can find me uh, on my, I guess, my basketball card Instagram at gems underscore only eight. Or if you ever want to get in contact with me, Lior at alt.xyz. And always like to hear from customers or potential customers. And I would say I would encourage everybody who likes sports to buy a card. You know what I mean? It's part of the fun. And I just got so much enjoyment uh, from my life from buying my first card and getting connected. And so it's been a really rough year for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. And it's brought me a lot of joy. And so if you've been asking yourself if you should buy your card or buy a card, it's a great time to get it as a gift for somebody. It's, you know, right before the holidays or get yourself a gift. You know what I mean? Buy your favorite player. I think it will it will be really uh, you'll you'll thank yourself. Your your seven year old will thank yourself for being able to reward yourself a little bit this week for for all the hard work that you've done. Great way to end. Thank you so much for the time, Lior. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the New Street X podcast. You can learn more about the guest in the show notes and learn more about New Street at newstreet.com. Please make sure to like, follow, subscribe across YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and more. Thank you so much. See you next time.